Okay, I'm reading from Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Then from verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I don't think um, any ability to produce and direct and act out that comes anywhere close. Because like with uh, the crucifixion, it's the same. Behind the scenes, the victory that was going on is just awesome. We're going to spend the rest of our days just praising God and thanking Him for what has taken place. Notice the Scriptures. Everything that was ever written in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. We said that in part one of Christ alone. Everything. Every single story, every single bit of history, every event that took place was just pointing ahead. It was like history was preparing us for the, for the coming of Christ. And everything today is pointing toward His second coming. As surely as He came the first time, He's coming again. But this time He comes triumphant. This time He comes with a with a loud celebration. This time he comes with, on a horse with armies and he will judge the nations of the world. 
But he comes to have this incredible feast with his bride. Isn't that awesome? The love of God contained in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is just awesome in every single way. Friday, the lamb was slain for the sins of the world. Sunday, the lion of Judah roared <laughs> and overcame death, overcame everything that is represented by death and sin. And we live in the reality now, this kind of now and not yet. We're not walking in the total victory of new bodies and, and you know, totally overcoming every single way, but potentially it's there. In the second coming of Christ, we celebrate it in all of its fullness. It's amazing. You know, one of the greatest quests of man, you see it in science fiction, in the early movies and stories, uh, you would see these very brave knights fighting dragons and all sorts of things to find that fountain of youth. <laughs> oh, what it is to live forever <laughs> and stay alive and, and the rest. I just Googled it, which is, you know, the authority on everything. If you want to know anything in life, just Google it. My doctor says it knows more than him. And uh, we as elders as well are quite surprised at how quickly you go to Google instead of the Bible. But here's a little kind of illustration. There were seven weirdest ways in which people sought to live forever. There will come some really classic ones. One is monks. There's a certain branch of monks uh, of Buddhists and they endeavor to embalm themselves while they're alive because they feel that kind of might just connect them to a greater eternity. So I don't know how you do that. I don't know if you wrap yourself up and then uh, the last thing, I don't know, somebody closed the lid or I don't know how they do it, but many have died a very painful death trying to do that. There was one, I don't know if she was a queen or she was a mistress of King Louis or one of the King Louis in France, she was particularly beautiful, stunning. And of course, she would want to keep those looks up. So she started to take a concoction of gold in some kind of liquid form, which obviously hastened on her death quite remarkably. Then there was another man who decided that the testicles, excuse me, of guinea pigs and dogs was uh, the, whatever was inside there was to be injected into himself and he would live forever. And that also hastened on his death and several of his followers who foolishly injected themselves with that wonderful solution. <laughs> and so it goes. And so they look to make this philosopher's stone, this elixir of youth. And uh, many have died of mercury poison trying to do that as well. Of course, the latest is cryogenics, where you... Uh, and many have applied to actually be placed into the cryogenic kind of state, this frozen state, hoping that one day they'll find a cure and I can live forever, but wanting to do that before they die. Isn't it crazy? And you always sit with Scripture. <laughs> this isn't the greatest selling point of Scripture. This is the incredible benefit of having a relationship with Jesus. The selling point is we need a relationship with Jesus. We need to be able to handle life the way we were intended to do it, the way God created us, the way God has made it for us. And then because of that, not only do we have this great relationship, but we're going to live forever. 
Isn't that awesome? Have you ever contemplated living forever? Yeah, I know if you're stuck in your townhouse at home, like when lockdown happened, you think, I don't want to live here forever. Definitely not. I don't want to just live under the, the, the restrictive constraints of a, of a fallen world that is fast decaying. I hasn't seen, nor has it entered into the heart or imagination of man what God has prepared. Death will be defeated, thrown into that lake of fire at the end, sin and everything to do with that. And then there's this incredible future with no regret, no kind of like, haven't you found that some mornings you wake up and you wake up in stages, you know, like semi-conscious or half-dead Obviously, when you have a cup of coffee, you can bypass many stages and get to totally awake immediately, <clears throat> which a lot of us do. But as you kind of get into that state of consciousness, you know, it's like your mind kicks in. You know, I'm in debt, or I'm sick, or this is, you know, you kind of evaluate everything. And then you apply your faith to that, and you pray, and you trust God. That's where many people lose the battle, is because those things just crush them. But you see, in Christ, we have a way of handling that. Because outside of the resurrected power of life in Christ, Christianity is a philosophy. If there was no resurrection, Christianity and the teachings of Christ and, and, and what kind of came after that would be good. Because it's a good, wonderful way of life. But outside the resurrection, we don't have the power to live it. Because that's what enables me to love when I shouldn't or can't or won't. That's what gives me the ability to have hope when the skies are dark and the situation around me is desperate. It's the power of Christ that gives us the ability to make it during this time. And then it's the resurrected power of Christ that enables us to face death. That is the greatest reckoning of all is to face death. I've sat with a couple of people, including my mom, holding her hand as kind of this life and all of that just passed from her, and there was, she was dead. But I knew exactly at that moment she was present with the Lord. So what is the, 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 the kind of uh, guarantee that we have? Scripture. Scripture. What Christ has written that if we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts as Lord and Savior, and we are trusting in Him, it's death, where is your sting? Where? It's not there. Because absent from this body, present with the Lord. That's the resurrection. So it's this future guarantee, it's this immediate guarantee if I was to die now. And of course, the resurrection power of Christ enables me to live the kind of life that he promised. It doesn't, all the trouble doesn't disappear, but I have a way to handle every single situation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, let's look at some of the resurrection realities just to summarize it, and then we'll pray together. You see, we are buried with Christ in his death, the scriptures say, and we are raised to new life with him in his resurrection. That's why the work of salvation is, is accepting every single aspect of what Jesus did on our behalf. He came as an example of how we can live on this planet, and then he made that life possible 
through his suffering, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So whenever anybody gets baptized in water, they kind of enact in his burial. They say, today I died to myself, and as I come up out of the water, I'm raised to new life. There's this new life, that, that new life that Christ said, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There we've defined the work of the enemy on the planet, the work of the enemy in my life. If we submit and give in to him, he will steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll always do that right until the end. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, but not just life, to have it more abundantly. And so this resurrected life is about abundance. <clears throat> I want to enjoy all of the abundance of that. And there are many, many, many testimonies, people you know, testimonies in your own life, of how it doesn't matter how dark the day is or difficult the circumstances, that resurrected power of Christ is there. The relationship of Jesus is so real. He's the anchor. He's the rock. You know, He's the light in the darkness. He's the morning star that's going to rise. He's the hope in all of these situations. It's interesting, in the story as uh, Kim read it, it gave a list of all the women, and it says, and the other woman. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? I wouldn't have even minded being one of the other women to have witnessed such an awesome occasion as that. But here's the deal. I can live in it. Through accepting Christ, I'm buried with Him, and I'm raised to new life. And it is important that we draw on that power because that enables me. The next statement is we live our new life in Christ not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is a new life of intimacy, possibility, and victory. That is what it means to live in the resurrection of Jesus. Because there is untapped power, connection, love, grace, possibility. We, we haven't begun to even understand what that is about. And I know through the ages we've made cathedrals and says, that's the new life. Stained glass windows, statues, wonderful chairs, people explaining the word to us. And, and we've had many of these attempts. But just read the scriptures. This life in the resurrected power of Jesus is a life of intimacy. So one thing he's going to do is through the power of Christ, he's going to make this uh, relationship with God so much more real. Closer than a friend. More intimate than the most intimate relationship we can think about. Because he will never leave us nor forsake us. There is neither height nor depth. There's, there's neither things on this planet or you know, in the heavenlies, there's nothing that can separate me from the love of Jesus. So this isn't just some kind of technical thing to enable eternal life. It's a relationship. Intimacy. And even in those moments when I'm kind of shaking my fist at Him and, you know, angry with God, He's there. He loves us. He waits patiently for us to respond. But He makes intimacy possible. He gives us possibility and he gives us victory in the circumstances that we find. And like we keep saying, the worst thing that can happen to us is we can die. But that very moment we're with him, the very next step. Third one, because Christ rose from the dead, so will we rise from the dead at his second coming. Death has no claim nor hold on us. 
to die now before the return of Christ is to be present with Jesus. We need to understand that. It's, it's the most encouraging, hopeful bit of truth that there is. It really is. And to explain that to people. I remember with my stepfather, my mom had passed away. He was in the bed next door. And I kind of looked at him and he was tearful. His heart was broken. And I said, you know what? There's only one way you're going to live forever and ever see mom again. And I took a bit of a liberty, but I thought I'm going to. And it seems like there's a bit of blackmail there. But I'd witnessed him on many occasions before. And I said, the only guarantee we have of new life is to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the only way mom could approach death. And it's the only way you're going to be able to approach death. Because he was terrified. And he kept expressing it. And I think humanity is like that. We, we unsure. We, we're not, you, you know, it's, it's like, it's the scariest thing that approaches. It's always that hidden fear in our hearts that one day that's going to happen. But the assurance is that through a relationship with Christ, across that bridge is where the power of God is most real. Close our eyes here and we're with Him. Isn't that amazing? Imagine the opening of your eyes to that and the reality of what we're going to see around us. Man, I tell you, we, we need to just stop and allow the Spirit of God to build into us the reality and the, and the assurance of that because it is awesome. Only one thing that overcomes death, and that's it. And then, of course, there is going to be that at the end of the age, the resurrection of the dead First, the, those who knew Christ will be resurrected. Then all the, those that never knew Christ will be resurrected. But we're going to be resurrected in Him. We're going to be resurrected to life with a reward that is just out of this world. And, and so these are realities that help us celebrate. So that when we witness, when we speak, witness, we're telling people about what's in our lives. It's easy. I, I just remember the day I got born again. I was like in this absolute, you know, like mind blow. I'd sins forgiven. You know, I was trying to assimilate all of this together. And then the more I read the scriptures, the more I realized, wow, this is not just life on this planet. This is, you know, it's beyond death. These are the benefits of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Others are just adhering to a philosophy, following some guru, but there's no assurance of what happens beyond the grave. None, none whatsoever. There's some science fiction kind of musing, and, and many of them have written and filled volumes on what they think is going to ha happen. You know, reincarnated according to, you know, how well you handled it here, or, you know, you're going to get given a planet, and your job is going to be to populate it with people. You know, wow. But here's one who death couldn't hold him down. Man, that must have been a moment of celebration in heaven. This trumpet sounded and the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. He's the first one and we're all going to follow after him. Yes, an interesting fact as we kind of follow the life of Christ from his resurrection to his ascension is we are raised with Jesus to fulfill the purpose of seeing the world impacted with the gospel for this we are commissioned and anointed. You see, he didn't just rise from the dead and say, guys, cheerio. He called them together. And he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And he anoints us. He, he gives us the task of that. 
because this is good news. The world needs to understand it. The world needs to know it. I haven't just <clears throat> kind of, as an escape route to the harsh realities of society, become a Christian and go and hide away in some church. No, I have been commissioned. And that same power anoints me to go out there and to speak about this. Your friends, my friends, your family, my family, those that are around us, they need to understand this. They need to, and God will give us the opportunity. And so this resurrected power that I have now works through me to give me a purpose so that I can tell others. Lastly, through, this, through Christ alone, as a summary, we overcome death and are able to live a resurrected life filled with the Holy Spirit. Read Romans 8, 11. It's on the board. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So right now the possibility of that God kind of life is working in us. And you know it. At times you've seen it. You've been exposed to aspects of the fruit of the Spirit uh, the nature of God, the power of God. At times you've been surprised as, you know, God has told you something and it's kind of been a prophetic word for somebody or for yourself, or you've seen something of His nature grow in your life. These are awesome. And that's because of the resurrection. You see, this, if it was, again, just my ability to follow some kind of philosophy, I don't have the ability to do that. It's only because of His resurrected power. Let's bow our heads for a moment, please. This is definitely one of those pause moments. Very important. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of what it represents. I am very concerned about the history of Christianity in the name of Jesus. People have committed such atrocities. We, we have that reputation. But I want to put it right by reaching out with the love of God to a world that so desperately needs Him. They don't need buildings. They don't need threats. They don't need any of that. They need to understand that Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross. He took your pain. He took your separation. He took your punishment. And then when he died, he died for you. And then when he rose from the dead, by the power of God, he rose from the dead for us. And so the message today is if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is vital that you accept him into your heart. If you've drifted, it's important you come back. I want to live my life that way. And live my life with this mission of telling others, of sharing the good news.